one of the best food scenes in the country, right here in Minnesota. And nobody knows it like magazine food critic and James Beard Award finalist Jason DeRussia. Now bringing you the most interesting people and hottest trends. Let's listen in as DeRussia Eats. The DeRussia Eats podcast is brought to you by the Minnesota Pork Board. More than 3,000 family hog farmers all over the great state of Minnesota focused on healthy pigs, healthy people, and healthy planet. The Minnesota Pork Board is proud to bring you DeRussia Eats. All right, here we go. Welcome to DeRussia Eats. It's Jason DeRussia. So glad to have you with us for season two of our podcast. Today, we bring you two icons of the Minnesota food scene. Allison Kirwin, the owner of Al's Breakfast, and Cole Hansen, the CEO of the company responsible for Zorba's on the lake. Al's Breakfast has been around since 1950, part of the fabric of the Minnesota food scene. If you think about it, what are we without our icons and our classics, those spots that have been a part of the scene since before we were even around? I took my kids to Al's Breakfast to make sure they understood that they were part of something bigger. There are only a couple of counter service seats in there. It's narrow, it's jammed. It's uniquely Minneapolis, Dinky Town, the University of Minnesota. Al's Breakfast has won most awards out there, and it's a former server, Allison Kirwin, who is now the owner. She joins us to talk about how it is moving forward into this current generation and what to say about Zorba's. Around since 1969, it's sort of crazy, right? A Mexican slash pizza place in cabin country of Minnesota. Conceived in 1969, now it's got a bunch of locations, all on lakes. The son of the original owner, Cole Hansen, is running it. And Cole joins us to talk about the lake strategy, to talk us about finding staff and the way the business has changed over the years. Icons in the focus on this edition of To Russia Eats. Our guest is the owner, the caretaker, uh, the person behind... I hate this word iconic when it comes to institutions. It, Al's Breakfast is an institution for sure. I would agree with that. <laughs> is it iconic? Allison Kerwin is our guest, the owner of Al's Breakfast, just named Minnesota's Best Diner by Reader's Digest. Uh, you name the honor. Al's has been kind of voted that or on that list. It's 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 been an amazing run, hasn't it, Allison? It really has, and I'm just glad that I get to be a part of it. Iconic. Part of the reason I struggle with the word iconic is it sort of feels like you're locked in a little bit. Like you have to, you have to be. I don't. I don't want to say stuck in the path, but that is part uh, stuck in the past. But that is part of running a, a a business like yours, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I kind of always feel a little bit stuck in what we're doing, and I, you know, even. When we change things, I always try to make it a change that no customer ever sees because we'll never hear the end of it. (laughs) Al's Breakfast is one of those places where if you love the Twin Cities, you love the fact that you have such a unique, locally owned, special place right by the University of Minnesota. It was started, Allison, in 1950, right, by Al Bergstrom? Yep, that's right. And uh, 14 seats, that's it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually these days we're doing uh, 
13 seats because of kind of our post-COVID situation where you kind of lost one seat so that we can access the line that we now have outside rather oh, than funny. people lining up inside. So. What is the Im- what, what's the impact the business had taken away one seat? Um, I mean, you know, it's clearly a percentage of our sales. Yeah, right. Uh, (laughs) It's kind of a big percentage of our sales when it comes right down to it. Um, And I think that, like, not having the line of people standing right behind you as you eat and stuff probably slows people down a little bit, too. And I think that's probably a bigger impact than losing one seat. Tell us the story of how you ended up taking over over the restaurant. Because you had been there for, for a long time, right? Yeah. I started at Al's in 1996 when I was a student at the U. And um, I guess longevity is kind of what got me owning this place. But I um, stuck it out until one of the owners wanted to retire. And I was kind of the next one in line to take over that position. And so I bought out one of them in 2016 and the other one in uh, at the end of 2019. What to you makes Al's Breakfast a, a special place? Um, you know, I think that, you know, we obviously, I think that we have really good food, which is, you know, a big part of why we're able to stick around in the way that we do. But I think that um, the space that we're in also makes it really unique. And I think it has forced a lot of people to become a really cool community in that space. I think that, you know, every day I see combinations of customers that really wouldn't know each other outside of Al's and they have become good friends over mm-hmm. the years and I think that's kind of what keeps everything sticking together. To me there's something about there's something about a a, a diner like Al's and specifically Al's where when you go there you might be sitting next to an elected official, you might be sitting next to a blue collar worker, mm-hmm. a college student, Maybe someone who is uh, unemployed, or I mean, it's just different races, different genders, different income. There, there are not a lot of places where you can go and feel like I'm really going to be surrounded by the full tapestry of people that we have in our area. Yeah, for sure. And I think that you know, in a way, we kind of force people into those situations because people don't necessarily have a choice about who they sit next to or where they sit on the counter, and we just kind of assign them a spot and they go there. Um, And, yeah, being next to the University of Minnesota gives us a really wide range of customers. That's not our probably biggest customer base. We have a lot of regulars that kind of come from all over the cities. And um, Do people assume that that you have a ton of students who go there? Yeah. I think the assumption is that, like, that is the bulk of our business. But And that's – why do you think it's not? Um, I mean, I think a lot of people who come in and are regulars these days maybe did go to the U at one point and just kind of continued to come in. I think we get a lot of people and, you know, as you've been talking about people returning to work in Minneapolis and stuff, I think that we used to probably get more people who were on their way downtown to go to work and they would stop by. Um, But yeah, the students are definitely a good part of our population at Al's, but not as big as people would think. Allison Kirwan is the owner of Al's Breakfast. She is our guest on De Russia Eats. I, I was reading an article from 10 years ago in the Twin Cities Daily Planet, which described you as perhaps the dinkiest place in dinky town, <laughs> which I thought was pretty good because funny. it's only about 10 feet wide. Yeah. But but yeah, that that creates operational challenges for you, too, as yeah, well, I right? Pretty like, much so live- describe 
it, my work is kind of like living in Tetris or something. It's like, how can I fit this in this space? How can I move around that person without running into them? And like, yeah, my whole life becomes a giant game of Tetris. How do you, so how do you physically do it? Because when you're sitting there, you see the flat top where, where some of the cooking is happening, mm-hmm. but, but there's more, there's more than that, right? Yeah, we have a kitchen in the back that has six burners, and so we have somebody cooking back there, and they do all of our scrambled eggs and omelets and waffles and all the prep, and then a dish area back there, too. Um, How many people are working in there at any any given time? Uh, we do either four or five people. It's a lot of people in a such a small area. It is, for sure, and that's why we all know each other so well. Right. <laughs> <laughs> What is that like? I mean, you certainly, when you started working there as a as a student at the University of Minnesota, uh, I'm assuming that this was not your life plan. No, I don't think it was. I was a dance major at the U, and I spent like a lot of years dancing with a company here in Minneapolis, and you know, I did that for a long time, and I have done lots of other things. I went back to school for horticulture at some point, and was a landscape designer for a while, and I've always had owls as part of my repertoire of things to do and i've worked Mm. in a lot of other restaurants too but at some point it just became kind of my obvious path that like this is the thing that i keep coming back to and that i love dinky town is changing uh quite a bit yeah so much new development new apartment buildings going up new you know there was some outcry when the McDonald's was knocked down which is sort of hilarious because you think where (laughs) in what other circumstance would people uh, be freaking out about the right. uh, devilation of the McDonald's. But it goes to this larger issue of is there integrity, is there honesty in a, in a neighborhood? Is there a uniqueness that, that matters? And your restaurant is so central to that conversation. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I would like to think that a neighborhood like that is still important in people's daily lives and you know it's as things change like I remember when I was in school there not everything was a restaurant when you went into Dinky Town which kind of feels like that now that's not really quite true but it definitely feels like the majority of the doors that open there are restaurants these days but you know it used to be it used to feel a lot more useful like there was a hardware store next to us which was incredibly useful and there were bookstores and music stores and all sorts of things that you know, in some ways have just gone away or dwindled into almost nothing over time. Um, and I still think, you know, Dinkytown is still a neighborhood that where students congregate and, you know, whether it's day or night or whatever, I think it's still kind of important to have a central base around a campus like that. But it definitely feels a lot different these days. Allison Kerwin is the owner of Al's Breakfast. Do people think that you're the Al? I mean, when you have the Allison, it... <laughs> <laughs> We've been trying to encourage people to think that now when they're like, oh, who's Al? And we point down to Al Bergstrom at the end of the counter, but then I have to go into how I'm the new Al, and it's just come full circle. <laughs> my uncle used to call me Big Al when I was a kid. so it, There we go. <laughs> you know, it it works out. Uh-huh. All of the different kind of notoriety you guys have gotten over the years, do you have any favorites? I mean, you uh, James Beard uh, Classics Award that is, is certainly yeah. that's a big one. Yeah, I think that. You know, it's kind of our crown jewel, which we haphazardly hang on our wall with no protection around it and <laughs> let people try on whenever they want to. Um, yeah, I mean, we've gotten kind of all of the local awards over time. I'm just honored that that still continues to happen, and I think it's really cool that people love us that much. But, yeah, the James Beard is probably 
the top yeah. of the list. New York Times. Uh, you were on diners, drive-in, and dives, a of course. Times, which, yeah. yeah, that's. I mean, they have so many uh, production staff who live here in right. the Twin Cities. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't get more. I mean, you're not a drive-in, but you're a diner and a dive. I think so. so well, and I win. think Doug Grinna, who was my partner until he left in 2019, I think he on the first show that we were on said that we were a dump aspiring to be a dive. <laughs> which I think is pretty appropriate, <laughs> which is why I often call it diners, dumps, and drives or something. I, I like it. I like <laughs> it. All right, Allison Kerwood from Al's Breakfast. Uh, we're going to talk about what your number one sellers are. You have three restaurant recommendations, three spots you're going to recommend for the Twin Cities, too. So we'll do all that as we continue with Derusha Eats, brought to you by Liquor Boy today, here on Drive Time with Derusha. 424, DeRussia Eats, in effect, here on Drive Time with DeRussia. Our guest is Allison Kerwin from Al's Breakfast right in Dinkytown. Uh, just an absolutely legendary location here in the Twin Cities, open since 1950. Allison, what, you know, it's a breakfast joint, of course, diner food. You guys must go through uh, so many eggs. Every week. Yeah, we go through uh, about 150 dozen eggs a week. Crazy. Yeah. And egg as egg prices kind of went nuts during the pandemic, that really had to affect you guys. Yeah, that was not great. I mean, we were paying six times what we would usually pay for eggs, and that really affected our bottom line a bunch. <laughs> yes. Uh, what What is your most iconic dish, would you say? Is it is it the pancakes? Is it the eggs? What is it for you? Uh, the pancakes definitely helped us make a mark. Our walnut blueberry pancakes were written up by um, people, you know, in the 90s and stuff, and that's kind of helped carry us through a bunch. Our most popular item is our Jose, which um, there used to be a guy in Dickey Town named Jose who worked at the House of Hanson, and he made salsa. And so Doug Grinna created this thing with his salsa, which is our Jose, which is poached eggs on now our homemade salsa with cheddar cheese and our homemade hash browns. You mentioned before, when you change anything, you have to try to do it in a way that people don't freak out. Yeah. What What are some of the changes, and how, how have you sort of navigated that? Um, you know, we've done little things like um, we changed some flooring. We Everything, when we shut down at the beginning of the pandemic, we took a couple of weeks off and kind of restructured some things behind the counter that customers wouldn't see, but we definitely left everything that the customers would see kind of as is. You know, we swap out equipment every once in a while, but even then people are like, wait, what happened to that refrigerator? I would have bought that from you. <laughs> it's a hundred years old. Nobody wants that. But yeah, it's kind of crazy. Uh, you used to do credit, right? Mm -hmm. You would. Yeah, we still, we have these prepaid that. tabs. There are yellow prepaid books tabs, that yeah. sit behind the counter. And it started actually like before Al owned the place when it was Bill's Diner in the 40s. Um, and he would extend credit to the railroad workers that worked in the neighborhood. And then Al, when Al took over, he realized that the whole prepaid part was kind of important. And so they would get paid every couple of weeks and come and put money down on their books. And people still do it. And you can do it online. And people feed their kids that way when they're at college and stuff. No credit cards. so that's... No credit cards. Yeah. We get a little are, bit of crap about that, but... I wondered, yes, especially as, you know, post-pandemic, so few people have cash. Right. 
And, you know, we are happy to send people to ATMs and people do it all They're the time. They're everywhere. Yeah, it's fine. People should still use cash. It's, you know, a valid thing. <laughs> I like to remind people every once in a while. I mean, I, yeah. you know, and then you go places and they don't accept cash anymore. And it's like, okay, seriously, you're not going to take my money even though I've got it right here. But This is my money. Yeah. Take it. I know. It is interesting. I think about that. I'm sending my oldest off to college in New York, mm-hmm. New York City. And I'm like, will anyone take cash? Will it, you know, we yeah. pay our kids an allowance like through a digital transfer <laughs> to their bank account. It's so weird. <laughs> That's great. Well, and I think there was some uh, argument about it. I think it was in like Philadelphia or something. They basically came down with a decision that suggested that people had to accept cash because not everyone has access to a card of some sort. It's true. Yeah. It becomes a classist thing. Do you worry as we see more and more kind of multi-unit restaurants, more chains, do you worry at all that people take you for granted and think Al's will just always be there without kind of having to go out and support? No, I think, well, I mean, yes, I guess. But I think if I learned something during our whole shutdown situation is that, like, Al's regulars are so fiercely loyal and will support us through anything. I mean, they really, hmm. really carried the weight. For us in a big way. We had a lot of people who donated a bunch of money to keep us going. So I think that I think people appreciate us for what we are and hopefully yeah. always will. Yeah, I I sometimes worry that, you know, some of our favorite restaurants, legendary restaurants will be treated sort of like uh, drive in theaters are no. <laughs> that when the, the announcement comes out that it's closing, everyone laments it. But no one went to drive in theaters, which is why right. they're closing. Yeah, I don't um, know. I think that we still have a really valid place in yeah. our area. So I think I feel pretty good about it. Yeah. I, you know, to me, like I took my boys there when they were younger and I wanted them to go there. Like I thought it was important as a, as a parent to say like, this is Al's, Al's is important. And wherever you live throughout your life, there will be something similar and it's important. Like it anchors us a place like Al's, helps create the sense that we are a unique place. Yeah, well, and you can find that everywhere, I feel like. You know, there's always something in every town that people cherish and, you know, occasionally they go away. But hopefully people, you know, remember that that's important. And, you know, again, I think that's something that we learned during the pandemic, too, is we lost a lot of really good places that people really loved. How how. How do you feel about safety in Dinkytown? We got a text about that. I know it's been a concern for many of the businesses yeah. and people who live in Dinkytown. Yeah, I, you know, I am very thankful that we are there at the time of day that we're there because we really don't hmm. deal with it. And, yeah. you know, we just we never see any of what goes on. Not never. I have seen some really dumb things go on. But um, for the most part. You're closed at one. Like Yeah. Yeah. We close at one yeah. in the afternoon. It's still light out. And, you know, by the time we come into work, everybody even the mischief makers have gone to bed. So I, you know, I feel pretty good about that. I think that the U and the Minneapolis police and stuff will figure this out and, and it won't be a problem yeah. forever. Yeah. Allison Kerwin is our guest. Three favorites, three places you want to give a shout out and a recommendation to yeah. uh, here in the Twin Cities. Um, so I live out in the suburbs where there's not a lot of options, but um, one of my favorites out near where we are is the Curry House in Rosemount which is a Sri Lankan mm. restaurant that is really good. Nice. Um, 
Ann's Kitchen, which just opened up another place in Highland Park, which I haven't quite figured out yet, but I'm excited about that. But I think they have, like, the best Thai food ever. Um, I agree. Ann's Kitchen. Oh, so good. So good. So good. And very, very underrated, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think so, too. Well, it's just, it's in kind of a weird little spot, and it takes yeah, a while for yeah. people to find it and stuff. Yep. But, um, yeah, and then I think my other big favorite is Alma. I just, I love mm. what they do. I, Alex is, yes. like, the nicest guy ever, and that food is so thoughtful and solid every time, and I love it. Excellent. Uh, really fun having you on. We appreciate you. You deserve all of the honors that you get, you. and and uh, I just love Alice. And I'm I'm. It was great having you on. Well, Allison. thanks so much for having me, Allison Kerwin from Al's Breakfast at Dinky Town. Uh, open every day, early in the morning. So get in line. It's nicer to be in line in the summer than it is in the winter. So now is your chance for sure. Hey, it's Jason DeRussia with a message from Minnesota's pig farmers. Discover the meat of the North, pork. Pork is as Minnesotan as the lakes, trees, and people who call this state home. Did you know there are more than 30,000 pig farming families? They live and work in the North Star State, raising one of the safest, most delicious meats the whole world can enjoy. Pork is something we enjoy in the DeRussia family at least a few times a week. Maybe it's pork loin roast, shoulder, pork chops, ribs, huh, bacon. Oh, I'm getting hungry just talking about it. It's so affordable, too. If you're looking for recipes, mnpork.com's got them. Great recipes like dilled pork cutlets, Parmesan-crusted pork chops, and you can feel good about eating pork from Minnesota farmers. They've been reducing their carbon footprint with better genetics, new technologies, and more. Pick up pork tonight for dinner at your local meat market or grocery store. Let's have Minnesota pork for dinner. Oh, yeah. DeRussia Eats continues. Here's your host, Jason DeRussia. I think our, our guest uh, certainly would take that, take that compliment. Our guest today is Cole Hansen, the president and CEO of Lake Life Hospitality Group. Uh, Cole, it's so good to have you here. Happy to be here. What do you think about this? It, it, it was a bit of a, a kerfuffle when Chad said you're the most well-known restaurant. Well, it certainly uh, caught us by surprise. It's flattering, uh, humbling, and um, I think a tribute to uh, our team and um, all the hard work and time and effort that we put in and have been putting in for 53 years. Zorba's yeah. does hold a special spot in the imagination of Minnesota, I think. It's because of your location. It's because of when we interact with your restaurants. And I think it's because of the sort of fun, whimsical attitude that your restaurants have always shown. What do you, what do you attribute it to? Well, that's certainly the, um, the personality that my parents wanted to instill in Zorba's when they founded it um, in Detroit Lakes in 1969. And, and one of the things that, um, that he used to always say is... This Tom, your father? Tom is, my, Tom is my father, yes. And... Um, Fifty years ago, or more than fifty years ago, is what you were talking about birthdays in a, in a segment, um, a segment ago, and uh, yeah, we are we're just celebrating our fifty third birthday 53. at Zorba's. Yeah, wow. And that was the personalities reference that he wanted to instill in Zorba's, um, just kind of carefree, um, free spirited, um, fun loving, and so that's kind of why he named it uh, after a popular character in um, in a in a nineteen sixties film starring Anthony Quinn called Zorba the Greek. 
Now the irony is we don't have Greek food. No Greek food. No, <laughs> and, no, just you know pizza, Mexican beers and margaritas. Um, but they, he thought it's, uh, it was a name that was easy, um, easy to remember, hard to forget, and burned on the brain. And that was kind of what uh, what birthed his little Northern Minnesota beach bar. I have like one of the weirdest memories that involve Zorba's. Because... By weird, you mean great? <laughs> My Zorba's memory is a, a road trip my wife and I took up north. And she thought that she might be pregnant, but she hadn't taken a pregnancy mm-hmm. test yet. And we drove to Zorba's. We had lunch. And then we get in the car. She stops at a drugstore, gets a pregnancy test, and was, in fact, pregnant. And Zorba's will always be seared in my mind as part of that day of finding out that we we're going to be parents. We're, we're, it's, uh, it's an honor and a privilege to be a part of that special day. It's Jason, a very weird memory. I'm sure Zorba's has been a part of many parenting journeys in a different sort of manner. And I, I know we've brought um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of couples together in the last 53 years, too, which we're very proud of. Uh, when your dad founded Zorba's, uh, were you ar- well, you weren't around yet, right? So um, one could argue that I've been with Zorba's for 50 years because there was a little there was a little house behind our original location um, that I was born in the hospital in Detroit Lakes. And that's and that's where my parents brought me home to. <laughs> and I guess I haven't I've, I just haven't left. I've, I've been there ever since. Uh, what what was it like for you as a kid growing up in this business? Well, when we used to go shoe shopping, they would always have to be a dish pit friendly. So <laughs> no slip, yeah, no right. slip souls. That's right. That's very funny. Uh, did you always want to be in the family business? Yeah. I, you know, it's honestly, it's all I've ever experienced, but um, I always, I've had a passion for it and, um, and my, the opportunity was there. My parents never pushed me into it, but um, I just, I always, I always gravitated towards it. Maybe it was like, you know, in Mark, Michael Corleone, right? In the in Godfather <laughs> Two, they I keep trying to get out. They keep pulling me back in, but it wasn't really like that. I'd always, uh, I'd always had a passion for it. What, what led to like this sort of Mexican pizza? If you had a restaurant consultant, they would look at your menu and say, "I don't know, man. Like, what's going?" They on would here? advise us strongly against. I would imagine. <laughs> I think so. Uh, how did how did it come about? When um so. In the late 60s, uh, my dad was teaching in Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. He was a speech teacher and an English teacher. And my mom was a dental, um, a dental assistant. So my dad was looking for something to do to supplement his income in the summer. Um, so he first opened up a bar in, um, in Detroit Lakes called the Grad School. It was outside the city limits. It was only open in the, um, in the summer. He taught in the winter. The building was so old it collapsed in a snowstorm, so he had to uh, relocate. He found Zorb. He found uh, a candy store in the city beach in Detroit Lakes. Um, he wanted to name it the Grad School. The city council said they did not like the affiliation with education. They would not issue his three two license. So then he stumbled upon uh, the name Zorba's. And in retrospect, I think it was um, we were very thankful to the city council. Um, and so he started. He really took to the hospitality industry. He left teaching and then started and then opened up a couple of restaurants in Southern California. Those restaurants were only open in the winter, and at the time Zorba's was only open in the summer. Uh, and then he um, at Zorba's was just kind of frozen, frozen beer and three two pizza. 
Um, but then he got he was um, heavily influenced by the Southern California um, Mexican scene, huh. we'll call it. Right. So that kind of influenced um, that did influence he the wanted to evolution. Bring those. That yeah, that that uh, he wanted to bring that to Minnesota. All the great um, experiences that he had in Southern California with tacos and enchiladas and nachos. You're still in Detroit Lakes, but you're in Cross Lake and on Big Sandy, Alex, uh, Gull Lake. What uh, Park Rapids? Some of your spots. Correct. Are some of them? What's your biggest location? So from uh, uh, Zorba's on Gull Lake is our um, is our biggest property. Definitely. And busiest or biggest sales? It's close. Um, Detroit Lakes is close. And um, all, the, I mean, all, all the locations are uh, incredibly busy. Memorial Day to Labor Day. Sure. Um, three of the locations, excuse me, two of the locations close in the winter. Um, nine are open in the summer. And um, so we, we root for sun in the, sun in the summer um, <laughs> and snow in the winter because it, it, uh, both of those conditions help business tremendously. What? What? sort of challenges do you face that maybe other restaurants or other business operators don't have to deal with because you are so resort up north seasonal related right um you know every so many restaurant um restaurateurs and um, organizations similar to mine face a lot of the same headwinds whether they're staffing or inflationary um but for us it's because our business is so seasonal, um, that does provide its own unique challenges. Mm. Um, and uh, we're kind of we're trying to work with the local communities um, to make our bus- our areas as attractive as possible throughout um, throughout the year. You know, getting staff is always tricky, right? When you're in a relatively small town that balloons uh, with population over the summer, it's the same thing resorts have. It's the same thing. Country clubs or golf courses, and, and certainly you guys face those same challenges, right? Absolutely. I think it's – and it's a challenge overall for the industry right now, without question. Um, but we're trying to think creatively to overcome it as, um, you know, as are, as are a lot of leaders and organizations. Yeah. Cole Hansen is with us. He runs the Zorba's Restaurants and on a number of other concepts that you guys run. We'll talk about some of that. I want to ask you, said thinking creatively – pizza robots you're experimenting with we'll ask you about that and then get a couple restaurant recommendations too. places that are not named that don't start with a z and end with a z fantastic uh, that are places you'd like to visit that'll be easy 418 uh derusha eats is brought to you by the minnesota pork board and by liquor boy in st louis park more with cole hansen from zorba's as we continue on cco we are talking Zorba's on Derusha Eats, brought to you by the Minnesota Pork Board and Liquor Boy. Our guest today is Cole Hansen, the president and CEO of Lake Life Hospitality Group, which is the, the umbrella company that Zorba's is a part of. Cole, you have a number of other concepts in the, in the Detroit Lakes area that you guys have started, right? We do, Jason. We have five other concepts. And, and that includes, uh, uh, I mean, where should people go visit? Tell. We have uh, the Hotel Shoreham, which is um, on Lake Sally uh, near, the golf, near the golf course in Detroit Lakes. And then we have three locations on Detroit Lake other than Zorba's um, near the city beach or on mm-hmm. the water. We have a classic steakhouse called the Fireside. We have our own microbrewery called Lakeside, which is kind of elevated pub grub. And then we have a, um, like a Key West-inspired burger bar on Detroit Lakes as well called um, Longbridge. You, you were telling me before, obviously, when people think of Zorba's, it's Zorba's on the lake. They're all on the water, right? How big of a deal is that? 
it's it's the it's a big deal for us. It's our leading differentiator. It's what we look for. Um, we won't open up a location if it isn't um, on the water, or you can hear the the waves crashing um, while you're enjoying some nachos and mm-hmm. and a margarita. My when my parents started Zorba's, he would always say, you know, and you know, backing up, we love we love Minneapolis. Um, a lot of our you know a lot of our guests um, are domiciled in Minneapolis and Fargo. But he always thought we don't we want to be. We don't want to be where you're at. We want to be where you want to be. Huh. And um, so we look at central northern Minnesota resort towns um, on heavily recreated party lakes, uh, lakes with a personality, if you will. Right. Um, but there is, you know, that's limited. So we're, uh, we're always looking, um, but we're trying to do it thoughtfully so we can continue to create opportunities for our team. It is interesting because you think in the lake sphere, like you could see where people would have tried to get you like. What about White Bear Lake or what about Lake Minnetonka? Like certainly Zorba's on Lake Minnetonka would fit in with the vibe of that lake. But you wonder if it would feel less special to go to go to Gull and go to Zorba's there if I could go to Zorba's at, at uh, Lake Minnetonka. It's tricky. That's a great question, Jason. Um, which ask the viewers. Or right. the viewers. <laughs> the Excuse viewer. me. How about, That's right. how about the listeners? How <laughs> it's about the interesting. Listeners? I don't know how people would feel about it. Yeah. What medium am I on right, right. now? Right. Who knows? Yes. <laughs> it's very confusing when you're talking to me. Are yes. we on the radio? Or are we on TV? I don't know. <laughs> Cole Hansen is with Zorba's uh, Lake Life Hospitality Group is the name of it. Is there more pressure on you knowing that when people come to your restaurant, they have 50 plus years of sort of expectations or memories with that? I think so. We, I mean, we hold that, uh, that responsibility very seriously. And, um, and I think Chad just put more pressure on me, right? <laughs> thanks, thanks, Chad. Yeah. Uh, no, we take it very, very seriously. And as you mentioned, I mean, there are so many memories that are being built at our locations. I'm um, considering our history and, um, and we want to continue to uh, help create more histories going forward. When you look at changes over the years are, you know, obviously People drink a bit at Zorba's. Ha- have things changed uh, over the last 10, 20 years? Are people drinking more tequila? Or, you know, I read today that uh, spirits have outpaced beer as the number two alcoholic beverage category in America for the first time in a long time. This year, spirits are number two. Have you noticed that shift at all? Absolutely, I think that's that was uh, that was not fake news that you yeah. read. That we're definitely we see shifts and and it happens every five or ten years. Um, so we try to keep our our finger on the pulse of it and um, and evolve with as the consumer evolves. But we've definitely seen that tequila is tequila is basically our number one spirit right now. And I think in, um, everyone within the industry would say the same thing, with a few unique exceptions. What do you think that's about? I think everyone uh, wants to be an early adopter or the tip of the spear to something that they think would be cool, um, whether it was you know gin in the 70s, maybe vodka in the 80s and 90s, and tequila has really caught fire. And, and probably all the, um, the celebrity endorsers who have their own brands, too, yeah. have played a big part in that. Do people request that? They want the Casamigos or they want the 818? Or... Absolutely. Now it's... Um, very rarely does anyone just drink something out of the rail. Um, it's very, very call-driven now and very, very uh, super premium-driven now, much more than it was 10 years ago. Interesting. That's good. That's better for your bottom line, isn't it, if people want to drink the super premium stuff? 
Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're all facing these unique economic headwinds, right? And it's good to, um, you know, the velocity of money. Support yeah. local business. For you guys, uh, Zorba's, I imagine, as much as we think about it as a guest, having a memory there, it also has got to be so many people's first jobs. What what is what is the situation as far as young people and working? We're hiring, and we're hiring 14, 14 plus. So, um, parents, grandparents, let's uh, let's get let's get your kids a Zorba's application. <laughs> Zorba's dot com. Zorba's dot com. Um, no, they do have a. Uh, we try to make sure that it's a great experience because it is their first one, and we have been doing it a long time. And all of my operating partners, my leadership team at each location, they start at the bottom and they work their way up. So they all have personal experiences. They breathe the air. Um, and I think we do a great job of um, of treating them how we how we were treated, and mm-hmm. and um, just creating that and continuing to build that positive culture. Cole Hansen is our guest, the CEO of Zorba's. Do you have like some sort of catchier like CEO sounds so formal for a place that has Z's all over the menu? <laughs> it's just for email purposes. <laughs> okay, all right, good, good. What are three restaurants that you would recommend uh, that you do not own? This is one of the favorite uh, features for listeners of this segment. So I'm uh, I'm down here for a couple days um, with my family on college visits. Oh, you're so at that stage. We are. Life, um, yeah. So we toured the University of Minnesota today, and we're going to check out um, St. Thomas and nice. Carlton and make the rounds. But for a couple nights, this is probably revealing um, because these are the choices that are made, and we're not able to get down here as often as we would like. But Minneapolis is a tremendous, a tremendous culinary town, you know, at as represented by you're doing a feature on it right. continuously. But tonight we're going to uh, Pizzeria Lola in um, South Minneapolis. Outstanding. Yeah. And um, it's just their product is dramatically different than the product that we serve. Um, we're very proud of our product, but theirs is just um, – it's different, and I like to experience different. Cool. Um, they do a tremendous job with the dough. Their toppings are always um, very unique, dynamic, and fresh, and they have a well, very well-curated, unique uh, beer. Um selection nice. and um it's funky the vibe's cool and it's eclectic so we're going to check that out perfect and tomorrow we're going to go to a 112 eatery mm. and, yes um, i mean that's that's stood the iconic. test of time that's the great way to put it isaac yeah. becker and his team do a tremendous job and um i every single time i like to, i i like to um check different things out i never like to order the same thing twice um to be experimental but they never disappoint they the plating's fantastic the cocktails are all re- always uh very new fresh and and inventive and um it has it's another place with just a really cool um cool vibe nice all right and finally well if we were here for the weekend um we would do brunch at martina i don't in um linden hills linden hills yeah cool little um, neighborhood argentinian um joint that um that we really like to go to on sundays when we happen to be here for brunch nice uh cole hansen uh so glad to have you down here uh we love zorba's these kind of memories that we create when we go up north and go to the lake, it's so important to what makes Minnesota great. And you guys are a key part of it. So well, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. All right. Go check it out. Zorba's double Z's there on the front and the back. Cole Hansen on to Russia Eats. We thank the Minnesota Pork Board and Liquor Boy for their support. Thanks so much for listening to the DeRussia Eats podcast on WCCO Radio, 830 AM. We do conversations with chefs, with farmers, with small business people every Tuesday and Thursday 
at 4 p.m. The podcast is available every week. If you enjoyed what you heard, I would love for you to leave us a review. Give us however many stars you can. I don't know, 10, 20 stars would be nice, five stars, and leave your feedback as well. It really helps us grow and helps support covering the food community here at WCCO Radio and in the DeRussia Eats podcast. If you'd like to email me with an idea or a question about the restaurant scene, you can email jason at odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y dot com, jason at odyssey dot com. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time on the DeRussia Eats podcast. Thanks for listening to DeRussia Eats. Dan Cook is our producer. Jason DeRussia is your host. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. DeRussia Eats is a production of Odyssey.